From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. Exodus 38.21, Pekudeh, the Holy Mishkan. This week's portion of the Torah deals mostly with the requirements for the Mishkan. Amazingly, most of these laws and particulars are exact repetitions of information that we already have received in the previous portions. It is a well-known principle that the Torah never wastes space, not even a single letter, let alone many long paragraphs. So why, then, does the Torah repeat these laws? The one other time the Torah repeated so much of itself is in the story of Eliezer, Abraham's servant, when he was busy finding a wife for Yitzchak. Almost the entire story is repeated in the same portion. We are told that the reason it is repeated is to show how much God loves the deeds of our fathers and mothers. If so, then here too we must say that God is repeating himself because the tabernacle is so dear to him. But why should such a small and apparently insignificant portable structure be so important to the creator of the entire universe? If there could be said to be a defining moment in the entire history of the Jewish people, it would have to be the revelation of Mount Sinai, the day the Torah was given. So we would think that that story should have been repeated, but it wasn't. This, too, seems to be saying that somehow the construction of the tabernacle was more beloved to God than the giving of the Torah. On the day the Torah was given, the cloud of God's glory was so great that it covered the mountain. The people were warned not to approach, or they would die from the intensity of their holiness. So great was the glory that day. Yet we read that Moshe walked up the mountain and into that great cloud of glory. On the day that the Mishkan was constructed, the cloud of glory covered the Mishkan. But this time the glory was so great that Moshe could not even enter. But still, on the day the Torah was given, the entire Jewish people raised up to the level of prophecy. This certainly did not happen when the Mishkan was constructed. Why, then, was the Mishkan's experience of glory greater than Mount Sinai's? When the Mishkan was replaced with the permanent temple, the Mishkan's pieces were put away in the same manner that worn-out Torah scrolls and holy books were put away. Even after they are no longer usable, they still maintain their holiness. The day after the Torah was given, Mount Sinai no longer retained its holiness. Anyone who chose to could walk there. From these three comparisons, the instructions for the Mishkan's construction were repeated, but the Mount Sinai experience was not. Moshe was able to climb up Mount Sinai when the cloud of glory rested upon it, but he could not enter the Mishkan when the cloud rested upon it. And thirdly, the pieces of the Mishkan were treated with the respect due to holy objects, even after they worn out, but Mount Sinai, after the given of the Torah, was not at all holy. From these, we see that the Mishkan and its daily service must have somehow been holier than the Mount Sinai experience. Why is this? The entire purpose for giving the Torah was not for it to sit on a mountaintop. It was given from heaven to be brought down to earth. 
This is the lesson of this week's Torah portion. The giving of the Torah was a one-time amazing holy event, but as important as it was, bringing the Torah down into the world is even greater. A Torah on a mountain doesn't change anything. It must be brought down into earthly life. Our daily activities, when dedicated to God, are dearer to Him than the day the Torah was given. Above the Holy This cloud that covered the Mishkan and was filled with the glory of Hashem was the same cloud that led the children of Israel throughout the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But the cloud did not continue leading the Jewish people in that way when we came into the land of Israel. This was one of the reasons why the Jews did not want to enter the land. They knew that their lives in the land were to be more physical and that the spiritual was not going to be so apparent. But even though that glory was not so evident on a daily basis, it did appear on the day that the first temple was dedicated. The glory of Hashem appeared, and it was so strong that the priests were unable to function. In the first temple, the ark was housed in the most holy area of the temple, called the Holy of Holies. This was a room where only the high priest could enter, and he could enter it only on the holiest day of the year. Also, he entered only after great preparations. There are different opinions whether or not the ark was ever housed in the second temple. One opinion states that it was in a secret room underneath the Holy of Holies. Above this room was another room. This room was so mystical that nothing is written about it at all. We know nothing about it except its dimensions, and these are not stated. We know them only because we know the dimensions of the Holy of Holies beneath it. From its location, we can, however, discern an important teaching. The highest revelation of God available to us after Mount Sinai was in the Mishkan and in the temples. The holiest place there was the Holy of Holies. The holiest place in the Holy of Holies was above the ark, between the Cheruvim, from where God would speak. But as holy as this spot and moment were, way above this, there is an entirely higher, greater, and completely unknowable realm. This upper room hints this unknowable realm. According to Ezekiel's vision, this most high room will not even be in the third temple. But we are told that the third temple will be much greater than all that preceded it. So why will this wondrous upper room be missing? Because, with the coming of the Mashiach and the building of the third temple, the tremendous degree of revelation that the upper, most mystical room represented will be brought down here into this world. There is one dot com.